This is Books, Beats, and Beyond, where we will bring you provocative music and engaging interviews from music artists, authors, and others with topics that will pique your curiosity. I'll be your host, Taj. Today, I'm talking with Sean D. Rochester about his informative book titled The Black Tax, The Cost of Being Black in America. The Black Tax is an extraordinary analysis of how anti-black bias has created a detrimental tax that black Americans pay in almost every marketplace and how that tax has suffocated our livelihood and significantly reduced our ability to leave a sizable inheritance to our children. The Black Tax examines the staggering financial cost from emancipation to the present day to answer the question of how, after 400 years, more than 40 million African Americans own only 2% of U.S. wealth. The Black Tax, however, does not focus on this injustice. Instead, it quantifies the fiscal impact of the tax, provides the data to support it, and then offers ways that Black America can offset the effects and create 6 million jobs and 1.4 million businesses in the Black community. Sean D. Rochester is CEO of Good Steward LLC, which is a financial education and advisor company. He's an expert in identifying, optimizing, and allocating cash flow and has helped his clients increase their projected retirement assets by tens of millions of dollars. A former corporate development and global strategy executive, he has executed $500 million worth of transaction and has generated over $10 billion of incremental revenue and cash flow. Sean has Bachelor's of Science in Chemical Engineering from the University of Rochester and a Master's Degree in Business Administration from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business with a focus in accounting, finance, and entrepreneurship. The Black Tax is part of the Good Steward Financial Empowerment Series, which includes CPR for the Soul, How to Give Yourself a 20% Raise, Eliminate Your Debt, and Leave an Inheritance for Your Children's Children. Sean D. Rochester, welcome to Book Speeds and Beyond. It is a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. So what is it about your life experiences that compelled you to do the work that you do? Um, that is, <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, you know, I've, you know, I'm, I'm originally from, from Barbados, um, you know, I came here, uh, you know, at a, at a young age, I got, uh, I went into public school system in, in New York city, I went back to Barbados, got my formative education there, uh, and came back here and finished up high school, went to university and went into the corporate world. Um, <clears throat> I've always felt that, that our position, um, as a people, uh, which is basically at the bottom of the economic totem pole. Um, is not the position that we should really be in. Mm-hmm. I've always felt <clears throat> that the images that we see are caricatures of who we are. It's kind of like when you go into a fun house, yeah. your image is distorted, right? It's not really who you who you are um, that's actually reflected back to you. Um, and I've always been engaged in uh, trying to make sure 
that we have uh, economic advancement in our community, whether it's, you know, working with young people to make sure they have money to go to universities. I did that for over 10 years and helped disseminate over $2 million worth of funds, scholarship funds for, you know, thousands of of, uh, black uh, students going off to, to university. Uh, and, and have always been engaged in, in many different ways, you know, from college and and from before that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had a in my career, you know, I used to travel like 70, 80 percent of the time. Wow. That would have me, you know, in China, Asia, lots of different places away from home. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had I have a young family uh, and it's only so long that you could do that. I did that for about six years or so. And I was looking to to make a change. And in that uh, change, I wanted to be able to have more impact on a community. So I started focusing on tackling issues associated with the wealth gap. Um, one of those things is that we don't have a we lack a critical mass of knowledge to help us manage the limited resources that we have. Mm-hmm. So that's where the development of, of, you know, the business focusing on financial education um, and coaching and advisory work really came in to be, which is. No, I was going to say that's interesting because um, with your background, what was there, was there someone that, that, that influenced you to say, Hey, financial, the finances is the way to go. Let me dig in deeper. You know, what, what was it? about um if i can be like fully transparent it's 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 growing up trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents uh-huh. okay right yeah. mm-hmm. it's growing up you know i i worked every day literally the second day i came back here <clears throat> i started working mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and i still buy groceries for the household i bought my clothes i paid for my college applications you know what i mean yeah like you're you're always um trying to move forward but you're doing it with limited resources, right? Well, like when I when I went off to to university, uh, I had a duffel bag, right? I mm-hmm. took the seven train to Penn Station, then I took the Amtrak up to University of Rochester, then I took a taxi to the to the school, and that that was moving in and that was starting out. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you're trying to accumulate resources uh, where you have very little, right? And and your parents, my mom. You know, she's trying to create space, right? Just to make sure that you have the thing that that you're you're not going to be hungry, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. you've got shelter, that you know you you're in the safest place as possible. Um, you got to make this stuff happen. You got to turn this opportunity into something extraordinary. But you don't have, I didn't have mentors, right, to explain mm-hmm. how it works. So you're figuring everything out yourself. My mm-hmm. nature is when I figure things out, I want other people to understand it because mm. I don't want them to go through the same level of pain. Right, right. right. You should yeah. go through, I get pain as part of the process, but I think we as a people get an overdose of pain. Right. 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 And so, so it is, how do you make, how do you manage your resources? Mm-hmm. Right. When you get out of school and there's nobody to start you off with the car note or comp payment or down payments. Right. If you right. get a, who helps you with fur, last, and security when you get an apartment, right? right. Who, who helps you get some furniture? And for, for me, it's nobody. Like, I, I lived on my furniture was, you know, the Walmart used to have these mats that are like a big square yeah. that fold out? Yep. I still have that. That yeah. was my furniture, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for over a year, 
after I graduated from college. And by the way, I had 120 people working for me. Wow. Right. Yeah. But that that was my that was my furniture. Right. You know, before I could afford to get furniture. And so you when you're when, go, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say what's interesting is you said that you you have a Caribbean background, right? Yeah. And and I don't want to generalize, but. I, I know how sometimes I, I kind of grew up in a Caribbean community too. how they kind of look at African-Americans in a sense of why they're in that predicament. And it looks like that didn't really influence you in, in, a, in a way. You, you, you still like you still want to help out the African-American community, although you have that Caribbean background. Like I said, I don't want to generalize, but I, I've heard yeah. those those dynamics. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm well aware of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm well aware of how our brothers, sisters in the Caribbean look at black folks in America. And by the way, it's the same view that are by and large that our brothers and sisters on the continent have when they come over here. Right. Right. Yeah. Their perspective is, well, man, you know, this is the land of opportunity. You just work hard. Great things happen. And you've got all this stuff in front of you, but you're not making it happen. You're, you're not converting. You know what I mean? Like right. what, why you do like, why do I want to break bread with that person? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. And it's because we, they, we, and they don't have the context mm-hmm. of how we got in this spot, this spot. What they're doing is just observing what they see today. It's like if you have a cold. Well, I could observe your behavior while you have a cold, right? right. But how did you get in that state? What was the pathology of it? Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did some like did something cause that to happen? And by the way, was it you or was it your environment that caused that to happen? Mm-hmm. So part of the you know, the power of the book when we get to it is that it puts that level of understanding in place. It really does. So people, whether it's, you know, folks coming from the Caribbean or South America or, you know, Asia or, or Europe, you know, they can see like, wow, I never knew mm-hmm. what folks here, the environment, the constant level of economic deprivation that was hoisted on millions of people on a continuous basis. Right. And once you start to get that understanding, we, we can chat about a little bit about that as we kind of go on. Mm-hmm. It really starts to um, you know, help people position themselves to see the problem and be part of the solution. I, for, for me, one of my long-term goals is, you know, I want like us the diaspora to do be to be doing business across the diaspora. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. So we in the business community here should be doing business with the business community in the Caribbean and on the continent and wherever we are, in addition to with, with everyone else. Right? Right, right. But we're not going to do that um, if we unless we see each other differently. If, unless we see each other as the same. Right. Right. Exactly. And right now most people don't, right? We 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 look at each other through European eyes. Mm-hmm. And then we look at each other through the tribes that we're associated with, right? right? I put right. tribes in exactly in our air quotes, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, um, and and then when you get here, the challenges that you you face don't discriminate based on where you come from. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, and, and I, you know, no, I was going to say, and I think that's why you call the book the Black Tax, because doesn't matter where you come from. It's all right. about being black when you get here. <laughs> right. So if we were, if we were going to dig in and, and the book is called The Black Tax, um, yep. e- explain this tax on black people. What is the black tax? We're going to stop right here and take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
One night, he ran off. I, I helped him. He was going to get free and then fetch me and the babies. And we all be free. But they catched him. They catched him. And they hanged him. And they sold off my... They sold off my babies. Never seen those sweet babies. My whole life. Yeah, singing spirituals, master read the holy book to me, I can't read, so you know I need a miracle, he raped my mother, hung my brother, want no justice, want no repercussions, just free labor for mass production, quoting scriptures, throwing us in cages, his whip splattered the blood of my ancestors across the pages, my children's children still haunted by the hatred, I hear their screams down through the ages. Blood on the leaves, brain matter on the cotton It killed buddy for stealing, forced us all to watch it I would've stopped them, but I'm powerless Lord forgive me for my cowardness But I seen too many niggas die for this My son just turned eight Master teach him how to pray He came out like skin and his eyes gray My wife can barely look me in the face Where was your God when you was forcing my wife? A million prayers couldn't make that saying right I hate when you read Luke and Mark Them your overseers names They spit on us when we get parched Staring at the sky Feeling like we was doomed from the start Yeah Explain this tax on black people What is the black tax? So the black tax Is the financial cost Of discrimination Against black people in America Right Mm -hmm. now, normally when people talk about discrimination, they talk about it from uh, a perspective of the injustice or the the morality associated with it. Mm -hmm. But this is what is the financial cost? And more importantly, what does research say that cost is? Mm -hmm. So in the book, I look at what is that cost in er presently in areas that are critical to wealth accumulation. So housing, automotive, uh, online you know, capital raising for businesses, job search, high-end careers. What is it, what has it been over time from slavery till now, which is, which is extraordinary. Um, And then you position it in terms of, well, you know, where are we now and what can we do to address it? So it is the financial cost of discrimination. And I think it's quantifying it. I think it's brilliant that you quantified it because at, all the time we're always talking about what has been done to us and how reparations are needed and, and, and so forth. But we're always, like you said, always talking about the, the struggle around it, but never putting a financial dollar on it. When most things in America, the solutions, they always have to talk about money, right? Money is always at the bottom of it. And to have something like this, that kind of puts a number on it is very extraordinary and it can really help people put things into perspective. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I, you know, I was intentional about that Mm -hmm. because from my perspective, um, 
one what so what's the objective like what am i trying to do here right and one of the things i'm trying to do is to create the most um compelling case for the commercialization or for people to do business mm -hmm. with black enterprise mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and and you can't start with hey let's just let's do business with black black business because <laughs> people have a million excuses a million concerns reasons we don't want to do it and right. the numbers bear it out right mm -hmm. we can talk specifically about that so what i wanted to do was say okay we tend to view doing business with each other as like a, either a charity i'm trying to help you out mm -hmm. or a cost you know what i mean right yeah. quality i gotta worry about all these kind of different things mm -hmm. so it's a cost to me so i said well let's look at if you're concerned about that cost let's look at what the costs are now right and what the costs have been and and then let's see what that says and see which costs are you willing to bear so let's talk right? about the cost now I think yep. you laid out the cost. Like you said, you, you flow through the book, you go through what's current, what the black tax currently is, then how we got here and what we can do about it. If yep. just lay out some of the current ways the black tax impacts us. And if you can give some examples. Yeah. So, um, you know, one, one powerful way, um, is, um, uh, there's, there's a number of really great examples. Yeah, there is. Let me, <laughs> let, me uh, let me give you one that tends to surprise people a little bit, right? Um, so you you remember uh, there is there was a study that was done, uh, and it was done to to examine like the presence of discrimination against Black people in the labor market. So uh, they sent out a bunch of different resumes. Right. And they and they allow the resumes to scale in terms of quality. Right. Uh, in terms of depth of experience. Right. Um, and and the only thing that they did was they changed the name on a resume. Mm -hmm. um, and what they found was that when the resumes had like a black sounding name. Right. Like Jamal. Uh, it would, he would get 50 percent less callbacks mm -mm -mm. literally same exact information wow. right mm -hmm. now just switch the name uh and, and that goes the same thing for for women so if it was lakeisha 50 percent mm. less callbacks right the the other thing that they noticed was um as the resume scaled in quality so when you talk about the depth of experience when you talk about like the the perceived quality of the financial of, of the educational institutions that the folks went to um, for people who had white sounding names, the callbacks went up. Mm. Actually went up by over like 30 percent. Right. Wow. Which makes a lot of sense because, you know, if the folks are appear to be more qualified, you want to talk to that person. Right. Right. It's terrific. When it, it was a resume with a, with a black sounding name, no difference, no, no incremental increase in callbacks. Wow. Mm -hmm. Even with the increase in quality of schools and all of that, there are no more statistically, um, you know, irrelevant, insignificant. They can't see it. They're not interested. My goodness. Right. Mm -hmm. And and when you think about that, if you think about, you know, getting a callback puts you in position to make the case. Right. Right. As to why you're a great candidate, why that it's a great fit. What are the wonderful things that you could do here to improve shareholder value and help them reach their strategy? You can't even make the case, mm, mm, mm. right, off of what the the name sounds like. 
right? And then, you know, there is, now, now people can look at that and say, well, you know, oh, by the way, they, know, they saw that there was no difference whether it was a large company, it was a small company, whether it was private, public, or across industry. Wow. Like, this yeah. was across the board, right? Um, and, and, and they did this with thousands of, of um, employers. The, the other thing that's really interesting is we could say, you know what? Maybe that's just like regular folks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, we are not, you know what I mean? Like, I get it. You know what I mean? But that's just kind of regular folks. But when you kind of aim high, and you aim for those really high-earning careers, you know what I mean? Like lawyer, mm -hmm. doctor, software engineers, those people are a lot more objective. It's much more about the work. It's not about all this kind of other nonsense. That's right. Like, right? That seems to make sense. People argue that all the time. And it was a study that was done by, by a firm that wanted to examine discrimination against, against black people and kind of the legal in, industry. So what they did that was brilliant is that they created a, a legal memo that, uh, you know, they, they said was written by, you know, an associate, one of their associates, right? Um, and they sent, and, and it inserted errors into this memo, right? I think there were about 20, 21 errors mm -hmm. in this memo. And they sent it out to 60 law partners. So one half of the partners, they told, the, they told them that the person who wrote the memo was black. And they told the other half, the person that wrote the memo was white. Hmm. Same memo, same errors, same everything. When the results came back, when they thought it was written by uh, a white person, the, the average score was four to five. Hmm. Right? Now, four to five is, is pretty good. It's probably like B minus-ish yeah. or B minus-ish, somewhere around here. Not bad for something with 20 errors in it. <laughs> yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I've worked in fields where you, you can't have one error. Yeah. If you have one error, like, your career is, is flashing red, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, but when they thought it was written by a black lawyer, same exact memo, they gave it a 3.1 out of 5. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a failing grade. Mm -hmm. Same exact. So in one case, you're rewarded. In the other, you're penalized heavily. You're failing. And on top of receiving a failing grade, their projections of the person they thought was black in terms of their ability to be like a good lawyer down the road mm -hmm. was very negative. Wow. Almost like justified what they thought in the first place. Right? Mm. Now, you, you could say, listen, A... Wow, I never thought that that was the case. Yes, it's a study. It's 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 referenced in the book. Mm -hmm. We can go ahead and and see it, right? But more so than that, here's the really important thing. What is the financial yes. impact of what, that? Yeah. Right? Because if you think about this, this individual now is less likely to get on a partner track. Right. Why is that? Because normally to get in those, to get in prepared, you, you probably need to be assigned to certain individuals that are working on really important projects, like where you're planted and who you get assigned to and who you get to develop relationships with uh, is really critical to your development mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. for you to be able to get on that track. It's very unlikely that you'll get on that track if the person sees your work product with the same as somebody else as deficient right. and as failing. Now, while you can still do really well as a lawyer, you mean you might never become partner. You could go work 
for, you know, a corporation somewhere, this individual actually has the capability to be a partner. Mm -hmm. And the difference between being a, a kind of like a just kind of a regular uh, attorney, which is nothing to sneeze at, or being a partner can be 11 million over a career mm. after tax. Wow. After tax. Wow. You understand? Yes. What is that doing to the legacy for that person and their family? Right. What is it doing for the church that they're part of? What is it doing for the community that they're part of? What is it doing for the nonprofit boards that they sit on? These are leaders in our communities, right? Right. right. And, and you have, you know, you're talking about over $10 million now that is potentially at risk. So when I say, when I'm talking about the tax, I'm talking about the financial implication because those are discriminatory practices. Right. Now right. we can talk about where is the discrimination coming from? Is it explicit? Do these folks know exactly what they're doing or is it implicit, which mm -hmm. is they're doing it on a subconscious base and they didn't mean to mm -hmm. either way is worth discussing. My focus is on the impact Yes, right, right. Not the pathology. Right. Not the mode that it came. Right. Either way, that person could still be out ten ten million dollars. Right. Right. Yeah. And and the same thing shows up or similar things show up in a medical field. Mm. Right? <laughs> All over the place. I think you, you had you had one example that I always had in the back of my mind. I what I I think probably probably people probably thought I was crazy, but when you're talking about even online in the online marketplace we can get discriminated and you can't i mean you really can't see the person right but still right. studies show that you can be discriminated and you gave yeah. some you gave some examples that made me justify what i've done before on ebay and so forth was was the was kind of the right thing to do <laughs> but yes. if, if you could talk about that one example about, yeah, yeah so there was a study uh, that was done to measure the level of get a sense of the level of discrimination in the online marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. Which is huge and it's massive and it's just transformative mm -hmm. for all kinds of individuals from a commercial standpoint. Right. So what they did was an extraordinarily uh, clever way of isolating discriminatory effects. So it was a study that was done and they performed it on eBay. And and I, I'm trying to think of the it was either. Uh, Yale or uh, Harvard, mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll get the right reference for you. Uh, it's referenced in the book. And, and what they did was they looked at baseball card sales. And, and what they noticed was same baseball cards, but you just have a, a black person selling them and a white person selling them. And, and, you know, while you may not be super into baseball card sales, lots of people are, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And what they observed was the price was substantially less when a black person was selling the same card, <laughs> right now, but how did they the, know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. That is the question. The question there is: it's two questions. Like, why would it be less? Right. Like, why, why? Right. And two is, how would they know? Mm -hmm. And here's the clever thing that they did: when they took a picture of the baseball card, they allowed the very tips. It's like imagine your thumb and your pointer finger holding the card. Yeah. The very tips of it. And they, and they captured the very tips of the fingers. So the slightest view of the melanin in your skin triggered like a 20% differential in that, price. That is it, ridiculous. Right? Because what it allows is for you need a trigger mm -hmm. for the bias to flow. Mm -hmm. Right? 
And the trigger was being able to see that the person was black. Right. A trigger could be able to hear the, the, the tones in terms of how a person speaks, the patterns and the rhythms, right? And the dialects could give that indication. Another trigger are names. Right. Saniqua, right? Mm-hmm. Right away, you got a picture in your mind of who that is. And if the bias exists, and it is quite substantial uh, in America, right? Mm. We're talking as high as almost eight and 10 in terms of subconscious anti-black bias, or as they like to call it, automatic white preference. It's a mm. lovely way of terming it, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. Right. right? So, so when with those levels of bias existing across the country, it becomes what is the trigger for it to flow? Goodness. Yeah. So, so the black tax is pervasive to almost to, to the point of being like ubiquitous, like basically everywhere, uh, decisions are required where it affects the prices of, uh, goods and services that are consumed by African-Americans. Right. So how did we even get here? And, and where did this tax come from? We'll be right back. This is modern day slavery, you see? Carry ID, water is a thief. This ain't how it's supposed to be, man. For so long, trying to be strong but yo. I'm exhausted. My feet hurt. Wanna run the war. Wanna run the war. They said, when? When? Yeah. People are the product of genocide and slavery Everything in the ghetto is how it was made to be Design and the process, prison industrial complex Niggas transformed into numbers and objects We pay the devil rent for living in hell Cause the projects was built on the spot where Lucifer fell Incarcerated knowledge heavyweight Every black man should read Deuteronomy chapter 28 Cursed in a city like we cursed in the field Cursed on the border and cursed by the new world order Our sons and daughters were stolen by another people Yoke of iron ended the earth, land of the eagle, this is the sequel to the prophecy, freedom, whether peaceful or violent is my philosophy, I built an army, now I'm gonna build a nation, the foundation of a new civilization, and overthrow the plantation. If you're enjoying Book Speaks and Beyond, do us a favor, go into the show notes of any episode, click on the iTunes logo to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. So, the black tax is pervasive to almost to to the point of being like ubiquitous like basically everywhere uh decisions are required where it affects the prices of uh goods and services that are consumed by african-americans right so how did we even get here and and where did this tax come from and so (laughs) this um so to get a sense of that we got to go back uh, a little bit and, and look at the look at the tax historically, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and look at how things have evolved. Like, like I always wondered, like, was this always the case? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. did right. we, did, like, you know, because we're told that we're past all of this, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Like, we're 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 beyond this. Like, why are you guys still here? And so. You know, what I wanted to do was take a look at, uh, let's kind of do a walk through slavery, right, Mm -hmm. up into the present. But but let's not let's just look at things that we can quantify Mm -hmm. and let's look at things that researchers have looked at. Right. 
right? And let, let's explain it so people really understand it very clearly. And and, where, and when possible, where possible, let's put numbers on it. Right. I, so... I, I, no, right? I think you. I think you did a a good job when you put the numbers. You put today's numbers on it. You know, exactly. when exactly when you talked about the economic value of enslaved Africans in today's dollars, that right. is tremendous. You know, it's 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 things like this that you didn't do in your book that can help push for reparations in a sense. But reparations is kind of tricky. But just to be able to quantify it like you did is is very very important so what what is that what was that that value during enslavement of, yeah of so yeah there's there's two things so when when you talk about the 250 year approximate period of of slavery right there's a lot you got to remember there's a lot of things that you can never price right yeah right like we got to be really really clear on that like you can't price what it is to be a woman and to have no control over your body ever, yeah, it, yeah. at any point in your life. It, yeah, you, exactly. you can't price what it is to be a man and not be able to protect your son or daughter or your wife or your mother or anybody, right? You're, you're effectively unable to function as a man. So basically what you're saying is uh, when you quantify this stuff, this is dramatically the the low level, the low end. We're scraping the bottom with, with this, these projections. <laughs> this is labor, yeah right you, right you know how you you get the thing you said the materials and labor right, right. this is this is the labor piece of it mm. right this isn't the the other stuff right like mm. you you know there's people with mental hardship there's this that and the other you get into lawsuits mm, right there's a whole host of things right mm. that you could be financially responsible for this is just the labor right the idea is what's the cost of the labor extracted what are some of the projections about how big or not that was because mm-hmm. people say it was a long time ago it wasn't a big deal and it ended <laughs> i said well the implication of that statement, which is fine, is that it was small, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. if you know what I mean, like you lose five bucks on your total net worth, probably not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Lose five million, huh. big deal, right? Right. So when you go back at it, you know, researchers look at it and they, they say the number. Some say it's as high as ninety-seven trillion. Mm-hmm. Some say it's as high as twenty-four trillion. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're like, you know, maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right. Then you're talking about as high as fifty trillion dollars. Trillion, my goodness. Trillion in, in today's like equivalent. Now, if you say, "Wow, like that is mind-boggling mm-hmm. and hard to wrap my head around," I never heard any numbers like that. I can say, "Well, you don't got to stop there, <laughs> right?" Number one, 1860. There's four million people in bondage. Yeah. Okay, like they are the most liquid asset in the country. There is open markets where these people are sold. You, you understand? Like, there's a price on these folks. Right. Like, there's a price if you're a child, if you're old, if you are able-bodied, if you are disabled, if you're a man, woman. Like, there is a price. Like, we can come to terms on a price. You are literally on the books of corporations and people's, mm. uh, right? right? So there are value associated with it. And, and economists say that that value is anywhere between – it's so big that you have to measure in terms of GDP, national income. Wow. Or net wealth. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So in terms of 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 net wealth, it's, it's between like 16 and 20 percent. Mm. Right. Well, net wealth is about 85 trillion. Wow. You're right. So you're talking 14 to 17 trillion. Right. If you take an average of those, you're at 15.5. Right. If you measure it from a uh, income standpoint, a GDP standpoint, it's one to two years of GDP. It's what those people were worth. Oh my goodness. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, GDP is 19 trillion. Mm. So you're, you're between 19 and 38 trillion. That's about. 
28.5. So one mo- way of measuring it, I'm at, at 28.5. Another way of measuring it, I'm at 15.5. I take an average of those, I'm at 22. Hmm. The, the, the point here is that no matter how you look at it, you're talking about massive, inconceivable, gargantuan numbers. There's mm-hmm. no way to arrive at a conclusion that it was not a big deal. Right. It was not massive and it was not foundational right. to the development of everything associated with the country. There's, it's just not possible to arrive at some other conclusion. Well, let me ask you this. The whole 40 acres and a mule, if that went through, would that have helped in some way? <laughs> or, yeah. It, it, you know? So, yeah, so here's the so everybody knows about that, right? So you yeah, know, forty years of the mule. People are like, yeah, I know about it. You know, Spike Lee's joint, and all yeah, that kind of stuff, right? right, right. And Spike's Spike's amazing. Um, but what people never that I saw asked the question of how much land is that? Mm. Mm. Question number one: What are we talking about here? And we talking about forty acres of the mule. That's one hundred and sixty million acres, four million slaves. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now, that's hard to conceive. I, I once looked at, you know, getting 400 acres with a group of folks. Yeah. You got to go up in a helicopter for that. 400, 400 acres. acres. Wow. You're going about 160 million, right? <laughs> yeah. By the way, in today's dollars, that's about a trillion dollars. Hmm. And by the way, that land will be generating about 90 billion a year. Wow. So, and of course, that never happened, but people, it's easy to say, well, okay, wasn't that big of a deal. But when you put it in financial terms, right, it's hard to say a trillion dollars wasn't that big of a deal. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, think, just, it's, just, it's just hard to say. And I think something's interesting. You talk about the Homestead Act, right? And, yeah. and just, to, just to talk about something, and, uh, I, I have some people I work with, they're, 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 they're white, and um, we seem like we're on the same economic level. But they always talk about all the land that their grandma has or whatever. They go there sometimes to vacation, a farm or whatever, just a plot of land. And right. I'm just like, in my head, I'm like, wow, you just have land. Like, and, and, and as black people, I'm like, we just don't have that. And you say it so nonchalantly. And as I yep. started reading this, and, and I heard about the Homestead Act before, but just to come back to it again, I was like, aha. This is very important. Can you talk about the Homestead Act and, and what that has done um, and what's the significance of it? Yeah. So, so the Homestead Act. So at the time, so 40 acres of the mule never happened, right? right? So it was it was a initial conversation, something called Special Order 15, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an idea to give, you know, newly free people a start kind of in life, right? A L- little bit of uh, labor augmentation with a mule. Mm-hmm. And some land to provide for yourself and maybe have something left over. That never happened. But literally around the same time it never happened, a couple of years before that, they Congress, 1862, I believe, Congress passed this uh, law called the Homestead Act. And what they would do is over the course of the next 60 years, they would distribute 246 million acres, mm. 246 million acres. So about 1.5 million white families. Wow, wow, wow. Right now, if, if you kind of price that in today's dollars, because you could say the average cost of like an acre is like $3,020. Wow. And it kind of, it can go up to $6,350, right? So on the high end, you're talking about $1.6 trillion, mm. right? Now, to 1.5 million families. So that's a little over a million dollars a family. Today's <laughs> wow. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm all about hardworking bootstraps, but a million dollars, I'm a hell of a bootstrap. <laughs> that is. Right. Right? <laughs> now, with the way it worked was, 
you could you had the opportunity to claim about 160 acres, right? Um, and if you were able to claim it and you lived on it for five years, you would take possession of it. Mm-hmm. It become yours, right? No consideration, no, no exchange of money for it. Now think about this: if you're an immigrant and like 20 million immigrants came here from Europe during that time, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you can come here with literally nothing but a shirt on your back. You had opportunity to, to claim this land. If you did, you stayed on it for five years. And oh, by the way, back in those days, naturalization, your ability to become a citizen happened in five years. Ah, wow. That connection. So not only did you become a citizen, but you got the economic equivalent of a million dollars. Right? So when people start talking about, like, I did all this by myself. <laughs> right. It's because no one's ever told them yes. how this actually works. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And by the way, researchers say that up to I think the number is 93 million uh, Americans. Right. White Americans are direct beneficiaries of this. Mm. So when I'm talking so to not, the people in my office there, that this could be part of the Homestead Act. Easily. Easy. Mm. You don't know. Like they don't know. Right. right? right? And, by, and by the way, the Homestead Act is just exhibit one. Right. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's on top of the 50 trillion. Right. That was oh, earned yeah. over that period of time, the 250 right years. Mm-hmm. So you, you have th- that piece. So the denial of 160 million acres, which only represents two percent of what was actually extracted from those people and their forefathers. Mm. Wow. So so they were not even allowed to receive two percent of what was extracted from them. Wow. Right. It's, it's crazy yeah. when you put it. Right. When you really look at it and but these other individuals, many of whom, right, are, are immigrants, immigrants are, are great and whatnot. But you're walking into resources. You're walking into opportunity. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And, and, and that's what people don't understand. Like people don't understand, like the government has invested unbelievable trillions of dollars into right. creating the middle upper middle class and, and like the wealth class. Yeah. And, and black people were barred from participating in that. And I think that, I think the extraordinary thing about learning about this is whenever reparations comes up or any, any kind of thing to economically help out African-Americans, it's all, Oh, that's too much. That's so much money. That's just doesn't make any sense. We, we don't have the, 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 the finances or resources to do that in America. Uh, yeah, you do. When you really want to, <laughs> you, yeah. they could do it easily. Right. Yeah. The, the notion of reparations, right, is like I, I tell I often say, you know, we've been like checkmated on seven levels and mm. people are just discovering <laughs> level one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, the notion of, of reparations is, is is a difficult conversation. It is because both sides of the conversation lack information. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is this right? You got to have to solve big problems. You got to have two really important things. One is empathy, mm-hmm. your ability to put yourself in the other person's situation. Mm-hmm. And, and two is understanding. Right. And understanding mm-hmm. comes from information and how you apply that information. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and we don't have understanding. What we have is passion and really strong positions. Yeah. Very little information, even less context. One person says reparations. One person says, hell no. You've been <laughs> all these goodies. The person who says reparations can't put together a good argument for it, right. other than something that's very qualitative and, mm-hmm. 
emotionally based mm-hmm. and 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 by the way if we haven't gotten a hint like nobody cares about your feelings <laughs> you know what i mean yeah right right and yeah. the other person is just very strong and very passionate but they don't know they they actually have been led to believe that they built all of this that, yeah right 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 so right. it's a non-starter mm-hmm. you first have to have some information that says let's just talk about how things transpired right we don't have to be hyperbolic we don't have to be like throwing bombs or anything like that let's just walk through the fact pattern let's just see what the numbers say let's see what the research says and then it informs people's position like people say reparations i said how much Mm-hmm. conversation done done because they don't know <laughs> yeah like you're the I, by the way i i've negotiated around the world hundreds of millions of dollars right mm-hmm. worth of deals and transactions the most important thing you need to have is information information yes you need to have they, that they, data to back up what you're about to say absolutely right yeah the, the, the other imp- important thing you have to have is empathy and an understanding of what the other party is trying to accomplish mm-hmm. and how you can help them do that with this but all of that's missing right right so the the idea is, is how do we get empathy? How do we get understanding? So people see why doing business with black enterprise is important, both for us and for other people, mm-hmm. right? If, if they want to create jobs and businesses in our community, uh, and many people do, the way you do it is by doing business with our enterprises, right? Right. The way you do it is by buying products and services. The way you do it is by hiring us. The way you do it is by depositing your money in our fi- financial institutions. Mm-hmm. The way you do it are those things, right? Right. Don't don't just lock arms with me and march up and down the street. That's dope. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But that doesn't create jobs. Right. And, and you know what was interesting, like you said, the empathy that that, that needs to be created and. And I know people right now are probably thinking, wow, the Homestead Act, what were we doing? <laughs> what, what, where were we during that? That, that Yeah. Point, right? We, we, yeah. We were solidly in the Jim Crow period, mm-hmm. right? Which is one of the most diabolical and, and, and horrible creations, right? Outside of, of slavery. Right. Um, and, and a lot of people don't understand it. Like they remember hearing about it, right. From social studies, history and whatnot, junior high, high school. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> when you look at it in terms of like the, the way I try to position it is to help people understand not only what it is, but why it was necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you, you start coming out of slavery, you, you've destroyed the Southern economy. Right. Because that's what a war does. Right. It's, it's the greatest level of destruction you could bring by humans on mm-hmm. other humans. Mm-hmm. So the economy is gone. By the way, they lost 22 trillion because them people are free. 22 trillion. Right. Gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the, the, their production is 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 has been devastated. Um, they get the land back, but the land isn't worth anything unless you have what? Labor. Labor. Mm-hmm. And you need a lot of it. Right. So. Now, how do you get the labor back? Probably not a great idea to give the people their own land. <laughs> you know, if, if you're just thinking economically and strategically, right, um, in, a, in a very nefarious way, right? right? Mm-hmm. The other piece of it is people think this stuff is just isolated to America. Cotton was like oil. Mm-hmm. It's the first global industry. That's right. Right. There's like up to 20 million people employed in that industry worldwide at that time. A million of those cats lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's affecting everyone. And you got a cotton famine happening. 
it's like if you shut off the spigot on oil. Oh, like yeah, we got to do something here. Like, right. what are you gonna do? Right, right. Like what? Like we're all waiting here. Like what? What are you gonna do? Um, and and the answer to that question is is moving into this Jim Crow uh, structure, mm. economic uh, structure, because what it is 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 a huge underpinning of that was sharecropping. Mm, sharecropping. A huge, huge underpinning, like a massive piece of that was sharecropping. Mm. And sharecropping was a contract between the white landowner and, and the black farmer. Mm. You know, they broke those massive um, plantations into smaller lots. They allowed black families to settle on those lots, settle on those lots. And they said, listen, if you work the land and you make cash crops, at the end of the season, you could share in a portion of it when, when we take it to market. Share in air quotes. Mm -hmm. Exactly, right? <laughs> Sounds great. That's share cropping, right? Share the crop, share cropping. What people don't understand is this actually a contract. And the contract, all the terms are set by the white farmer. Yeah, because once you leave slavery, you have nothing, right? Well, it is, it is the, it's how the contract worked, right? Mm -hmm. So the first way it worked is, um, at that time, these folks have basically no wealth, about 0.17% of U.S. wealth yeah. is what they have. Mm -hmm. Effectively none. Right. So what, what happens between now and harvest? How do you eat? Right. How, how do you clothe yourself? <laughs> where do you live? Where, where does the seed, the tools come from? Where, where does any of it, you know, how do you provide for your family? The, the way you do it is you borrow from the white landowner. Mm-hmm. All of those things, the tools, the seeds, the fertilizer, the clothes, the shelter, the food, all of it at rates as high as 70%. 70%. Right? Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the year, when you take the market, guess who's the market? <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, you know what I mean? Take a wild guess. Take a wild guess. The, mar the market. The market is not you. <laughs> it's not you. It's the white farmer <laughs> right. that you're working for. Yeah. So that person sets your cost structure mm -hmm. and they tell you what your income is. Mm -hmm. That by definition means they set your profit. Mm. And if you're lucky, your profit will be zero. If you're unfortunate and they don't want you to move to somebody else who might be a little more generous, they're going to make your profit negative mm. and roll that over as debt. Now that's called in, in, in perpetual indentured ser indebted servitude, mm -hmm. right? So it was a diabolical symbolically efficient mechanism. And by the way, that's a hundred percent tax on your labor. That is. That absolutely is. So so why not just protest? Why, why, why even get into it? If you if if I don't do it, I know I, I might I might starve, but you know, why if 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 I don't do it, you won't be able to do it either. So someone's gonna have to break, right? We'll be right back. Daddy, what's a will? Yeah. Take those monies and spread across families My sister Hattie and Lou, the nephews, cousins and TT Eric, the rest of B for whatever she wants to do She might start an institute, she might put poor kids in school My stake in Rock Nation should go to you Leave a piece for your siblings to give to their children too Title the champagne, do say I like to see A nice peace fund ideas for people who look like we We gon' start a society within society That's major, just like the Negro League There was a time America wouldn't let us ball Those times are now back, it's now called Afrotech 
Generational wealth, that's the key My parents ain't have shit, so that shift started with me My mom took her money, she bought me bonds That was the sweetest thing of all time, uh Legacy, 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 legacy Black excellence, baby, you gon' let them see Legacy, 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 legacy Black excellency, baby, let them see Why not just protest? Why, why, why even get into it? If 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 I don't do it, I know I I might I might starve. But you know why? If 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 I don't do it, you won't be able to do it either. So someone's gonna have to break, right? So love it, love it. See, you thinking like you thinking like how we think. <laughs> the way you're thinking is, I heard what you said, son. But that's a bad deal, yo. <laughs> right. right? You like apples? How you like? I'm not doing it. Right. It's just it's just, it's a bad deal. But the problem is they got a law for that. And the law says that if you can't prove that you're a landowner or that you're gainfully employed, they could charge you with a criminal offense, uh, put you in a state county jail. Mm. Right? So you don't have an out. You understand what I'm saying? They thought through this. Ah, uh, like the black codes, stuff like that. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because we learn about these things in isolation. Yes, we you do. You got to see right. how this is working to an end. Right? Right. Now, if you say, look, uh, all right, I'll sign it. But I still don't want to do the work. And I'd be like, all right, they got a law for that. You know <laughs> that law is it's contract enforcement laws because mm. you broke that contract. And they could charge you the criminal offense, put you in a state of county jail. Well, you relax. Well, I, I wouldn't say you're relaxing in jail, but you're not you're breaking killer, your, right? you're not breaking your back. Or maybe you are. Maybe you are. But <laughs> um, what about that? What happens if you still want to protest in, in that yeah, sense? So. Exactly, right? So you could be like, yo, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit here, and you're going to feed me three squares a day. <laughs> yeah. And when you're ready to let me out, we good. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and they got something for that. That's called convict leasing, mm. which means that they lease you back out to the same farmer you didn't want to work for or to a private corporation. Ooh, wow. And what you got to know about convict leasing, the portion of that that's arguably, arguably, this in this one respect. Mm-hmm worse than slavery is they have no interest in your residual value let me explain to you what that means Mm -hmm. a slave owner will kill you Mm. a slave owner will beat you within an inch of your life this is not an exaggeration Mm -hmm. right right however he would prefer to have you around for another 10 15 20 years to maximize the return on his investment slaves Mm -hmm. were expensive Mm -hmm. right when you're leasing somebody, you only care about the 6, 12, 18 months, two years that they're with you. Uh, you don't care about their life in the future. Mm-hmm. Right? So that leads to mortality rates approaching 50%. You got a one in two chance of death under wow. those circumstances. Wow. Right? So when you look at that, you have no out. Mm. Wow. So, wow. It's almost like the... The person who owned the land, you know, although he, the people are enslaved inside, if, if they're really savvy, they're probably laughing that they got locked up because now they're like, great. It's a discount for me, <laughs> right? Cheaper. It's cheaper. Ugh. And, 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 and I, I would say the crazy thing is I don't feel like convict leasing ever truly went away to tell you the truth. Just looking at how prison labor is today and how it's sanctioned by states and businesses. Is there anything different about it today than back then in a sense? I meant, you know, if you, if so, you think about it. Yeah. The biggest difference um, 
is the mortality rate. Mortality rate. I got you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if if fifty percent of these cats would. Die, yeah, that's true. That's true. Be, they'll be outraged. That's true. That's true. Right. Yeah. You you people don't understand that or often miss that. Sometimes the strategy appears to be not to. It's not to have absolute deprivation. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, right. It's not like people don't want you to be deprived. It, it is. You don't want, you know, to a point where it's obvious as naked and, yeah. And, yeah, and transparent. Like right. You can't have 50 percent of people dying. Literally, right. Right. right? Um, in, in this day and age. But these folks are being worked uh, for for next to nothing. Wow. Right. And I, w- I will say what's amazing is as African-Americans, as black people, just going through that struggle, just laying out what you just said and kind of where we are now is almost amazing. You know, <laughs> it's really amazing. And, th- and that's and that and that's just one step in the process. I mean, you go on later once we make it through parts of the struggle. You know, we t- you touch on big milestones. You, you, you go and start talking about during. uh the Great Depression and 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 the New Deal, right? Yeah. And 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 how that helped white people. But where were we? You know, how, how what was the deal for us? Here's here's a problem, right? So with like the New Deal, for example. So now you kind of fast forward and you're into the early 30s, right? Mid mid 30s, right? Uh, where you're into the the Great Depression. The, the challenge with the with the New Deal which had the creation of like social security. It had, you know, the, the, the creation of limiting uh, the, the number of hours a person could work in a day or over the course of the week, you know, introducing things associated with uh, wage stability, right? Minimum wages, so on and so forth. It had agricultural subsidies, mm-hmm. right? For farmers. Uh, the problem with these, with this thing is that to pass Congress, they needed to have two exceptions made. Two things had to be done. The first was they needed to exclude domestic and agricultural workers. Mm. Uh, that's that's 65, 70% of black folks at the time. Because at the time, you know, for a long time, we were sharecroppers, right? So that Sharecroppers. Was, right. Yeah. Mm. You still got mm. 4 million black folks in the fields at that time, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So that eliminates like almost you, you start to approach 70 percent wow. of the black labor force the other requirement that they needed they required right the the southern senators and congress people uh, was local administration they wanted these benefits uh and it's these programs administered at the local level right like a state's rights state. kind of thing <laughs> yes exactly mm. and when you hear those kind of words yeah that is the most efficient way to discriminate right <laughs> yeah that is the most efficient way because yeah. you have to go to whomever mm-hmm. right um so with the new deal i mean you know you're, you're talking about um you know, $50 billion, I believe, at the time Ooh. that was, you know, distributed into that program. And we're talking about hundreds, right, of billions of dollars in today's uh, equivalent, right, <laughs> that less than 2% of that went to African-Americans. Wow. That, that's how efficient your discriminatory processes were. Right. And and and, and, and my, my the, the point I'm trying to focus people on isn't, 
it's not that it was just a bad thing. It was unfortunate. It was terrible. We can all agree that right. with that on all sides of, of the equation. The problem is that there was a massive economic impact. Right. The problem is it prevented people from being able to accumulate wealth. It prevented people from being able to accumulate assets. It prevented people from being able to transfer wealth now into future generations. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you start asking why are we in the position that we're in right now, it appears it's we're in that position for the things we have done or not done. Mm. as opposed to the things that were done to us. That's a right. very different situation. Right, right, right. And and as, uh, I mean, the conscious and unconscious racist perception that that we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or that black people can't create a thriving economy or civilization without white people is such an ignorant perception when you start looking at how how the government has helped whites make it right like lily if you would say you want to pull yourself up by your bootstraps more than anything african-americans have done that <laughs> right uh yeah actually that's a very that's a very good option right like the, the there is it's not just the government you you've got a a a a, a, a parallel effort right between government private and individuals yes right, right. discriminating in extraordinary ways mm -hmm. against against African-Americans. And that's what it lays out. Mm -hmm. See, when, when we start talking about all this bootstrap stuff, what we all have to understand is that it makes sense based on what we're told. Mm -hmm. So for people to believe that they did that, it makes sense based yes. on what they know, what they've been told. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, they've been like, you know, I've, I've done this. I've done it. I've worked hard. Mm -hmm. Right? But mm -hmm. there's a difference between working hard and getting a yield on your hard work. Ah, uh, Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. There's no shortage of people working hard. Like people work hard all the time. That's right. Right. But you may not get very much yield. Right. You, I, I, I try to get people to understand, like, imagine if you were a farmer in, in, in the arid area, you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. like in, a, in a, a desert type area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you have the same seed. You have the same tools. You have the same techniques. Your, your yield is going to be lower mm -hmm. than somebody who's farming in like the rich, deep, wonderful soil from <laughs> Iowa. Right. Well, yeah. Idaho. Right. The, right. And it's not because the farmer sucks and it's not because the seeds suck. It's because the the ground, the environment doesn't have the moisture content. It doesn't have the mineral content. It doesn't have what's necessary to get that yield. So what analogy. we do yeah. is we look at the outcome, but we don't look at the environment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And what, what happened is African-Americans metaphorically were relegated to the least productive spaces to do incredibly hard work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think something interesting in the book was when you started talking about separate but equal and how how if education was separate but truly equal, uh, it would have reduced the black tax in some respects. Yeah. So there you had uh, with the segregated education system. They they what they did was they seg they distributed resources vastly different between white children and black children. Mm -hmm. So in the South, for every dollar that you're investing in a black child, you're investing five to $8. For every dollar you're investing in a black child, you're investing five to eight in wow. a white child. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just not rocket science, right? Mm -hmm. One of your kids is going to Harvard, the other one's going to be in poverty. Right. right, yeah. You know, teachers, black teachers are making like 25 to 34 cents on the dollar mm. for what white teachers are making, right? It, you're just not 
in a position to accumulate wealth under those circumstances. Right. So the, the idea of the separate but equal was it wasn't separate, but you weren't giving us equal resources. And what people wanted were equal resources. Right. 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 But, you know, so that that was like the fundamental challenge. Now, what the researchers say is that the that the the maldistribution of resources, it was so bad that if they had just invested equally in the children, kept all the other discrimination the same, but just invest equally in the skills of the children, that it would have reduced the income gap by up to 50 percent. Wow. Just that. Right. Because you're, you're, there are two things to, to I, like I tell people, earnings is, is equal, I call it E is equal to SD squared. Okay. Right? So, and, and that's not because those are my initials. <laughs> right? But earnings is equal to skills development, your ability to develop skills and deploy them. Uh-huh. So what segregation did from an education standpoint was limit Black children's ability to develop skills. Mm. You're receiving, you're in school 50% less at a time. You're receiving one eighth of the economic investment per child. Right. Right. Your teachers are getting a quarter of what white teachers are getting. Same subject, same material, same everything. Your ability to develop skills is hampered intentionally by the resources that have been invested in you. Mm. Then when you go into the job market, now you're talking about your ability to deploy skills. Yeah. Right. And and there you face discrimination. And by the way, even the people who develop the skills under extraordinary circumstances, real heroes, aren't able to deploy them fully. Right. Right. Like you just we said do. in the beginning, it, it currently just with the, those those studies you talked about, same resume, different names. Right. Right. And, mm. and you have resonance of that today. Mm-hmm. Now, when you just see that stuff in isolation, you're like, wow, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. But when you have the historical context, you see, ah, oh, I get it. It's mm-hmm. still resonating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the still, this is the long tail from all of that. Craziness is still existing. And, and the whole point of the book and the information is to get people understanding, to mm-hmm. get us past strong positions with no context and little information. Right. It just it doesn't um, it doesn't make sense. We come to these really strong conclusions and we want to tell people because what we've been told that their experience isn't valid. Right. Right. You, you must be exaggerating because you think it's racial. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> it's like, and you must prove to me that it's racial. That's that's like, well, I'm not sure this water is wet. Right? <laughs> Let's right. just start with that. Right? It's like, no, no, no. So what so so what can we do about the black tax? We'll be right back. Yo Yo, if money the root of evil, poor people water the seeds. Nurturing greed for the one percent of money trees. More money, more problems. No money, more robbing. They say we crabs at the bottom. These pigeons got their beaks in the air. You can't holler without a dollar. This game is unfair. Your dollars got its block lit up like Times Square. They leave your body stinking for clinking Lincolns inside a piggy bank. This world is chilly. Your flesh will kill you for Ben Franks. I Ben Frank cashed out a ticket to the bank. I'm trying to get my assets right, so my future wife's assets right. It's hard to rhyme tight and reach the limelight. It's like I. I got a spit retarded, it's to take flight But I'm figure four in mites, so I'm past the further sight Severing a serpent's head, backed up like carbonite Still waiting for the day my money's right And until then I'm filling my stomach with bread and rice So we make money, money, make money, money, money 
session, all the nickels and dimes. Then they take money, money, take money, money, money. Poor people still surviving the times. That's why we make money, money, make money, money, money. Still taxing all the nickels and dimes. Then they take money, money, take money, money, money. My people still surviving the times. You see your pick of a tattered chick in the ghetto. Backs are swole, as she pedals a Nakira, that's life goals. You want to settle, but little is how you level the field. Then what you shovel to plant, but nothing's fertile, unrestrained consumerism. You will alter the ways of plans set in place way before the times of the slaves. Banks take your money, then shut the doors on what's yours. Left black depositors with nothing and no recourse. Lost and validated Negro testimony, so the courts were not an option. The people would work more and remain poor. Fast forward, now you have an illusion of wealth. The flyer scaring the block with a heart soon to stop from bad health. The master plan, I'll have a man with melanin come back again to massive fill his alabaster. Leave him as a bastard as he capitalizes on the last of a dying man trying to survive in the land design with his downfall in mind. So we make money, money, make money, money, money. Section all the nickels and dimes. Then they take money, money, take money, money, money. Poor people still surviving the times. What can we do about the black tax? So what what we can do is like what what is the black tax ultimately led to, right? Like what is, what did all that coalesce into? It's a bunch of different things, but I wanted people to to focus on three things. The first thing is we're missing six million jobs across the black community, right? Across the whole country, R- relative to our po- population. Mm-hmm. The second thing is we're missing one point four million job uh, businesses with staff. Mm. Right. So we have over two million businesses, black businesses, two point six million. Only four percent of them have employees. Wow. Yeah. Tiny, 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 tiny. And we're missing. That's about one hundred nine thousand of those. And we're missing a million four of them. Wow. Right. And mm. then from a net worth perspective, we're missing over eight trillion dollars in net worth. So th- those are the big problems. Those are the big gaps. So th- to me, the solution is how do you reduce those gaps? How do you address that? Mm-hmm. Right. And the way you address that. Is through this thing I call PhD, mm. which is purchase, hire, and deposit in ways that create jobs, create businesses, and expand businesses in the black community. I thought that was really important because as you laid it out, it was like, wow, that does make sense. It, 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 it seems so simple when you lay it out like you right. did the PhD. So the P is about how we purchase. So as individuals, that's, you know, that's our consumer spend. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you know, the numbers, right. It's like 1.2 trillion for black people in general in, in the country. Right. Mm-hmm. The problem is less than 2% of that is spent on black enterprise. Mm. So that's creating a negative effect for job creation in our community. What people don't know is that 1.2 trillion is, is, is supporting 24 million jobs, direct, mm. indirect and tertiary in the U.S. economy. Mm. Almost none of that's in our community. Wow. Yeah. Right. So the, so the idea is. We got to shift how we're spending mm. ourselves, particularly before we ask anybody else to do anything. <clears throat> right. right? right. So as simple, that's like, who's your lawyer? Who's your doctor? Right. Who's your realtor? Where do you buy your cars? Mm-hmm. You know, where do you get your insurance? Right. Like more than just T-shirts and health and beauty and, and stuff like that. Right. right. Like right. Th- those larger items. Wh- what can we do from that perspective? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to use our own products and services. That's massive impact on stimulating jobs. Mm-hmm. The other piece is for corporations, institutions, and governments, their P, where they purchase in their supply chain. Ah, uh, yes. So it's like, are they doing business with black enterprise? Mm-hmm. And, and, and by and large, it's minimal. All of them do about two, less than 2% of their spend is on black enterprise. Wow. 
You, you, you understand? So yeah. when you're engaging with a corporation or an institution or a government, you got to do it from a PhD perspective, which is, are we in your supply chain? Mm. No. Okay. To this extent. Well, then what's your plan to fix that? Because I, I need you to fix that. <laughs> I want to vote for you. I want you in office. I want you to be happy. I want to buy your product. I want to do all that stuff, but help me help you because I can't do it if you're not doing PhD. Right. You, right? you said something uh, interesting. You know, like we all know that um, the priority, you know, we have to purchase from black businesses. Um, plus, we should also encourage, uh, you know, whenever possible, um, that businesses prioritize purchasing products and service from black enterprises. So we understand yes. buying from black people, but to require the people we do business with to buy black. That, Absolutely. That, 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 that is significant right there. Right. It's, it's a game change, right? It's, it's, it's meant to be all encompassing. It's a framework, mm-hmm. right? So the way a business says we love you isn't by cutting a check for the boys and girls. So it's not just doing that. Like, <laughs> right. I don't want them to do that. I want them to like double, triple, make those checks bigger five times, right? <laughs> Ten times. Yeah. That's all good. But don't just do that when you got a, when your supply chain is 15 billion. Mm-hmm. You, you could create 50,000 jobs in our community. Mm-hmm. Like use that tool and that power like right. we, we, that's what we need like these problems are because you don't have jobs right right, right. so and it, and then the the age is about how they hire are we represented on their supply on their payroll that is such a good point right there that right? is such a good point and and, and a point that i make is I, I say are we not our minorities ah right? yeah like, break that down that is right that's that's good yeah right so i'm like I, i'm I'm cool. Like I want everybody to have theirs, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know what I mean. But when you tell me about how well minorities are doing, that's not telling me how well I'm doing. That's not telling you how well black people are doing. Exactly. Exactly. So I asked you very specific. So we have to be specific. Mm-hmm. And the reason we have to be specific, like I, I helped share with folks. I said, listen, people are trying to uh, attack this problem from the right heart. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they, they think what they're doing is really, really helping. They're like they're trying with earnest. Yes. <laughs> yeah. To help, and I get it, and I'm with you. And I just say, listen, here's some information to consider. If you really want to be helpful, let's say like the priority is to elevate like like women owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a wonderful. It's amazing. Double, triple down on that. Like keep doing it. If you look at women owned businesses that own that that have employees, it generates about one point two trillion dollars. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. If you said to yourself, how much it out is from black women? It's less than two percent. Oh, wow. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not until you're $99 that a sister sees a benefit. Wow. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Like doing that is wonderful, but it's not going to increase the level of, it's going to have a marginal to no benefit for creating black business and for creating black employment. You know, the thing, the thing you about that, the thing that's hard about that is um, a, a lot of people probably listening are probably part of the minor, minority and diversity programs in their at their jobs, but sometimes doing that focus of saying no. When we talk about minority today, let's just talk about how we're going to support black people. It really can like it's muddy the waters in a sense. You know, people start taking defensive, like why are you just saying black and not others? You know, like right. That's, so it is a. It's a- there's a couple ways to, to, to deal with that. By the way, I say that as every company I, I, I speak at, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So um, the first thing is you need understanding. Mm-hmm. You don't start, you don't lead with that. Mm-hmm. 
because everybody thinks we're we're good. You know, many people think we're good, we're great, we're 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 post this, that, and the other. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like you you don't introduce that conversation in the middle without context. When you see the historical context, then people understand why you're talking of specificity. Mm-hmm. What what they don't what they haven't seen is they haven't seen the numbers. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm just telling you I'm not telling you like what you're doing now, I'm telling you here's the impact it's likely to have on black people. Mm-hmm. You could keep doing it or you could not keep doing it. That's on you. But if your goal is to is to create jobs and businesses in our community, then you're going to do you're going to have a very tiny impact of doing it just structurally. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I have to explain to folks, because we need that context, because right now we speak in terms of minority diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. and, and kind of things like that. Right. Right. And what I share with people is you got to be careful, because a lot of times. Those are euphemisms for not white male. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And and when and then I say that's a lot of people. <laughs> let me tell you who that is. Right. <laughs> that's 90 percent of people on planet Earth. Oh, it's highly nonspecific. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can have an amazing, just powerfully winning, impactful minority program that has zero to marginal benefit on job creation Mm-hmm. and business creation and business development mm-hmm. in a black community. Mm-hmm. Why? Because how many of those women businesses, their revenues are coming from black business? Less than 2%. If I, if I say, let me look at our, let's put, let's do more business with our, you know, Latino brothers and sisters, right? Like we're going to increase like minority presentation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, like do it, right. double down, triple down, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They've been going through all kinds of stuff. Right. But what I'm telling you is, when you say how many of those businesses who have employees, what's their revenues? It's somewhere around 380, 390 billion. If I say how many of those are black Latinos, it's less than 2%. Mm. I'm just telling you wherever you look, right. the impact on black people is, is, is tiny. It's almost non-existent. Mm. If I say let's, let's do you know, better minority representation by doing more business with our Asian brothers and sisters, I'm like dope. Like double down, triple down. That's all great. By definition, there's no black people in there. <laughs> Right. So when you add up the whole of this, um, you know, tranche of folks that you're looking at, it's less than seven percent of that is is black enterprise. Wow. And you know what? So you, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So the the point I want to provide is it give people information so they understand why they're not going to have the impact. Right. And then it is for customers and for shareholders to say this matters to me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Right. And then the corporations can say, "Okay, well, how do we work together to affect uh, the the representation of these groups as as individuals? Mm -hmm. Because you you, I I think it's a mistake to refer to people in a giant group of (laughs) non-whiteness. Yeah. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they they have very different cultures and historical backgrounds and needs that are unique and important and so on and so forth. And. I think for when you're looking at how do you create, how do you solve this jobs and uh, businesses gap within our community that was hoisted upon us? You do that by being specific. Yes, and I, I think something that was interesting. Um, I, I say the thing, the thing that bothers me about the U.S. economy is like what you said in your book, and I quote: "You said the impact." is extremely low representation of African-Americans within the payroll of many companies that depend on black consumers. So, yep. so, so there are many companies that depend on us 
but won't yeah. hire us. And when I read that, it made me think of today and the Colin Kaepernick and Nike, right? Like yep. you're supporting Nike. They're supporting Colin Kaepernick now, a, a black person, and what and, and what that means, and how their sales have in, Nike sales have increased like thirty percent or something, right? But I'm thinking yep. after reading that, are you hiring us in, within Nike, right? Are we on your marketing in your marketing department? Where are we on those higher ends? You know, yes, we're raising your 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 bottom line, but how's that helping the community? Right. And, and the way I look at it is this. So you got the right thought process, right? Because you got a PhD mindset now, mm-hmm. right? So you've seen it differently. <laughs> you got to, you, you see the leverage, right? It's right. 10, 100 X multiplier. Other folks don't. Mm-hmm. So the, the, so Nike, you know, they're, 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 they're going all in for, for Kaepernick, right? Uh, great. Cause he's paid a hefty price for standing up for what's absolutely good, right, and just. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And, and people shouldn't have been sitting back and allow him to to take that. And it's fortunate that he has financial resources to be able to to weather that that storm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, what what I say is is what Nike can continue to do is PhD. Nike through its advertising could revitalize the black um, media industry. Mm-hmm. Because we are consuming media. Less than 2% of all advertising spend goes through black media. Mm. See, people are not thinking at a higher different level. If you talk to Nike about that, they can say, okay, well, we'll we can put, right? I, I'm not saying that they're, I don't, I don't know anybody there. My, my position is I don't think that they're like, our policy is to not help these folks. I don't think that they thought about it this way. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? Okay. I think they're trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. And they're making big moves that other people won't make. Right. Right. And I'm saying this is how you take your that that desire and multiply it by a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Who's in your supply chain? Mm-hmm. Who are you buying services from? You'll create fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand jobs in a black community. Mm-hmm. You you would transform fifty thousand families and communities right. by who you're buying services from. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Are are we represented in their payroll? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't studied and researched them. Right. Mm-hmm. But but having more representation there, every one of those people you put there is, is, is creating huge impact, legacy impact for a family. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. With the resources that they have, are they, are they putting money in black financial institutions? Those institutions provide loans to businesses right. and to people to buy homes and cars like that. They can take their efforts, man. And take it a hundred. So it's so crazy. I need to set up that 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 consulting interview with you and Nike. They need to know this. <laughs> they gonna yeah. They gonna know it now. It's right. out there. They gonna know it now. Right? I, I think one right. part of the PhD is the D. Yep. And, and and if I'm correct, that's deposits, right? That's right. It, it, talk about the power of that. So the the deposits. What people have to understand the backdrop is. You know, about four dollars out of every ten thousand dollars in the U.S. banking industry is in a black bank. Wow! <laughs> right, they yeah. just don't have the resources to provide mm-hmm. the, the the capital that's needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for for businesses and and for the for the community, and they don't have it because we don't put our money in it, mm-hmm. right? We deposit a tiny amount, like you know, two percent ish, right, of our deposits are in black institutions. We put them every place else. Yeah. The power of the banking. Uh, system is if you have a deep rich banking system for every dollar you you deposit it has a ten dollar impact in the community wow right? okay. or in the economy in the economy mm-hmm. for us to have that within the black community number one you actually have to put your money in the banks mm-hmm. we don't right. you have to shift that 
Number two, businesses that we do business with have to do it too. Right. And their employees need to do it as well. Then you start to get the multiplier, right? Effect. We have over $100 billion in banks, right? It's not in black banks, Mm -hmm. right? You know, by applying PhD in a consistent way and encouraging corporations and governments and other institutions, giving them the information for those that want to have powerful impact to create jobs and businesses and to transform families and communities, that this is the way that they can do it. You can leverage that hundred billion into a trillion dollar impact, but it doesn't work when we don't put our money into it. What we're doing is creating that 10 X multiplier effect in other communities. Mm. I mean, that is, that you know, as I've read it, because you you lay it out very simple, and and it just starts right. to click, and just the power of just depositing our money in the black bank, because we always know that there's discrimination, rampant discrimination through the banking industry, higher interest rates for us, denied for no particular reason, you know, that maybe someone who is uh, white will get uh, approved, just knowing that if you deposit one, one of the powerful things is not just keep keeping your money in a bank is that what the bank does with that money. And if, right. if you put it in a black bank, they're going to be more compelled to invest that back in the community. And hopefully the person you're doing business with at that bank doesn't have anti-black bias because they might be black. They don't have to be, but more than likely they might be black. So this is, this is, very important stuff here. I think one thing I can hear people saying now is, is there a certain place to know if it's a black bank? You know, is, is it as easy, easy Google search in that sense? Um, there, yes. Okay. There are lists, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that provide, there are like 19 or 20 banks that okay. are left. left. Black banks are not in a good state, wow. right. By any, by any stretch of the imagination, mm. because we don't, we don't put our money in it. And when mm. we do, we put in, ceremonial symbolic money right right so uh, five hundred dollars and stuff like that right, right right um and that's that's a nice gesture but that doesn't make sense when you got a hundred thousand in the bank right, right? And, and there's people with tens of thousands hundreds of thousand dollars in and um in a de- in deposit institutions and it's not in the black bank right. it's, it's to move like real money into those institutions right. right so that they can be able to to lend Right. Uh, to businesses because our businesses face a, a great deal of uh, discrimination in the financial services industry. Right. It's been the case historically, right? And, it, and it's still the case now, right. right? And I go over that in the book in terms of the of the detail. Right. So the, the importance of it, of putting money in a black bank is multifold. Not only does it also um, put deposits in the bank that the bank can now lend to customers, but it increases their profitability mm. increasing their profitability inc- attracts capital providers, investors. Mm. And it's the investors who, who come in that give them the capital to revitalize the bank, mm. right. Mm-hmm. To put in the infrastructure, right. That, that they need from, uh, you know, uh, you know, buildings and digital infrastructure and a whole host of innovative products and services that all cost money, right? right? But we're starving them for deposits and and and, and they have to deal with much higher costs mm. per dollar deposit. Mm. And then that doesn't attract capital providers who need to make the investments to help them kind of build the infrastructure. Like they, they don't have the infrastructure to handle all the money if we did it tomorrow, right? right? But they would attract the money overnight to do it, mm. right? I mean, yeah. it, will be, it will be like 
it would be a game change, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so it is, it is, it is critical. You have to have it. There's a reason why they save the financial institutions, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they don't save consumers, right? Yeah. It's because it's like your regulatory system. It's mm-hmm. like your your heart, lungs, and nervous system. Like you can't do it without it, right? Right. Countries right. go under because of how they manage their resources financially. You put too much money into wars and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can't pay your bills, and then you collapse. Your financial system collapses, right. and, and I, the country collapses. I, I like how you talked about. Um, uh, in your in your conclusion, you know, you, you talk about it isn't uh, a call to support black enterprises. I put support in air quotes, air quotes, because support implies something else. Like what what right. does support imply and and, and yeah. what should we really be doing instead? Yeah, I, I never use the word support mm. uh, and I don't encourage people to use it because support is a is a one way street. Mm. Right. The foundation supports you. You don't support the foundation, right? Whereas when we think about doing business with Prada or Fendi or whatever, we don't see that as support. We see that as exchange of resources for good of equivalent or better value. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Support takes on a a charitable mindset. Mm -hmm. And we should never treat business like charity because the, the fact of the matter is despite what we say, we do not give our best to charity. Right. I actually have the numbers on that, mm-hmm. right? We we give a tiny portion as individuals and as a country, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. Uh, to, to, to charity. So we you should never position everyone else's business as a business, but our businesses as a charity. Mm-hmm. You've started with the wrong mindset, mm-hmm. starting with a defeatist mindset. Mm-hmm. So what I talk about is doing business with or commercializing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what we should be doing, right? We should be doing business with you. We should be doing business with other. We should be commercializing other businesses. Why? Because that stimulates your need to staff up. Yeah. The goal of this is for black entrepreneurs and business owners to become um, to become overwhelmed, for lack of better words, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, with demand and that they have to increase hiring to be able to meet that demand. That right. stimulates the hiring. But by the way, they're going to also have to increase purchasing to do it too, right? They're going to have to buy infrastructure and whatnot to support it. Um, and, and when they are also doing that with other black businesses, you start to have that multiplier effect. Mm-hmm. Let's increase the demand for our goods and services by just seeing things differently. And it's just not like it's not exclusive to black people. PhD is is anybody. Right. Right. It doesn't matter. There's black folk. There's some black companies. Not all black people working there. Right. <laughs> right. 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 That's not PhD. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Are, right. Are, we, are we on your payroll? Are we in supply chain? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're. Uh, you could be whatever company you want and whatever nationality. You can do PhD. Mm-hmm. Right. Are we representing your supply chain? Are we represented in your payroll? Are you doing business with our financial institutions? All of those things create jobs and businesses. All of them. Right. Wow. But but I, I think, like you said, it, it's uh, support is a charity, right? It, it's, it puts that in that charity mindset. But how, how do we help black people overcome this negative bias about doing business with black enterprises? I mean, that's that seems like the main. I think goal. It, what we're doing now. Uh huh. Yeah. The, yeah. the conversation that we're having now that is sparking interest in your listeners that is confirming things that folks 
believes or new or experienced or that is giving them new insight, new information that is helping them to see that the problem exists and or it's a lot bigger than we ever thought possible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to know that there's a way that I can now approach this because we all get to choose who we do business with. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's put all the corporations aside, right? You, your own business. You have your own PL. You get to choose what doctor you want to go to and right. what accountant you want and what tax professional and what realtor and what whatever, right? You insurance provider, you know, when possible, where possible, just make sure we're part of uh, the spend. Right, right. Purchase, hire, and deposit. Keep that in mind as yep. we move along. Wow. So, how has writing this book changed you in any way? <laughs> how? Um, that's a great question. Um, but it, it, what it has done is it's just given me even greater insight. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I say is once you see, you can't unsee. Uh, Yeah. Right. Right. And that's why it's important, you know, for, for, it works out well when people can't see, right? (laughs) right. A lot of stuff is, is doable because people aren't aware. Mm-hmm. So it is just, uh, you know, helping my own understanding so I can help other people's understanding. Right. Um, you know, it, that's that's a big part of it. And the other thing I'd, I'd like to say is that, you know, for, for listeners out there, you can get the book. At, it's not on Amazon. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. A- a- right. As I finished the book, I was like, ah, this is why it's not on Amazon. I get right. it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's 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 not on Amazon because I don't I don't like how they structure the just for the book part. Oh, okay. And at my price point. See, I was at the purchase. I was at the PhD mindset. Uh, That's what I was thinking. But right. No, no, no. I'm 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 with you. We have to have alternatives for that, right? (laughs) Yeah. But I'm. It's it's on www.blacktaxedpasttense.com. Great. We're gonna definitely. We'll definitely put that in the show notes as well for the help. Yeah. Help out. So. Well, Sean D. Rochester, I just want to say thank you so much for writing this book. It's really put in perspective what we've been through, quantifying it. And it really, uh, to me, and I, I guarantee anyone who reads this book, it's going to change your mindset when it comes to uh, commercializing and investing in black businesses. See, I'm trying to get out of the support black business mindset as well <laughs> to understand the power is not just helping that one business. You're helping that business to grow, to create more jobs for your community. So yes. this, this is a very powerful book. And I just want to say thank you so much for writing it and coming on book speaks me on today. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for purchasing it, for reaching out, for having me uh, on your show for creating a platform, right, for more people to know and understand about this. I appreciate it and look forward to keeping the conversation going. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Our interview with Sean D. Rochester about his book, The Black Tax, The Cost of Being Black in America. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you've learned a lot from that. I definitely know I did. Um, If you are interested in purchasing the book, remember, uh, you can't really get it on Amazon. Uh, So go within our show notes and click on his website. And there you can purchase the book. And also uh, in the show notes, don't forget to click on the iTunes link to subscribe, rate and leave a review. And until next time, let's read. 
listen, explore.